to become part of Indiana's Constitution, a proposed amendment must be approved by two successive legislatures and then ratified by Hoosier voters. A proposal to ban same-sex marriage and anything resembling it sailed through the General Assembly in 2011. But this year, thanks to shifting public attitudes and intense lobbying by opponents, the proposal, now known as House Joint Resolution 3, has charted a much less predictable course. This week, in fact, just to keep the measure afloat, House Speaker Brian Bosma had to pull the resolution out of one committee and reassign it to another that promised to be more receptive. Joining me to discuss the ongoing debate and its implications are Democratic Representative Ed Delaney of Indianapolis, an outspoken opponent of the proposed marriage amendment, Kurt Smith, longtime president of the Indiana Family Institute, and Indianapolis attorney Peter Rustoven, a former advisor to President Ronald Reagan and a one-time GOP senatorial candidate. I thank you all for uh, being here on yet another cold, blustery day. Kurt Smith, let me start with you. Sure. Simple question, perhaps. Why, after 198 years that the Indiana has been a state, is it so... Uh, what's the compelling argument that we have to have this amendment now? Because for the first time in the life of our nation, marriage is being attacked uh, in the culture and in the courts. There are over 55 federal cases pending. Uh, there have been suits here in Indiana. Thankfully, the courts here in Indiana affirmed our marriage statute. But uh, it's, it's become controversial pretty much since the courts in Massachusetts in 2003 said that if a man and a woman can marry, then any two people can marry. And so it's, it's become controversial, and uh, we uh, delegate up those kind of topics to the voters. And so those kind of core foundational issues are enshrined in our state constitution, and that's the process we're on. But, uh, broad question. Are, are voters always right? And I don't mean to be flippant, but we always talk well, uh, here. The, right, the, uh, right or wrong, they get the last word. You know, the mm, citizen not sovereign. Always, right? Well, okay. the citizen sovereign. Uh, we, we design and fashion our constitution Literally, we constitute a government with it. There are some thou shouts in there and some thou shalt nots, and, and that's where that belongs. And this is a core foundational question, so we think it's appropriate for the voters to have the last word. Well, I certainly do want to get into the legalities, and we certainly have some good legal minds right. here. I'll be the, anxious to listen. To, to, to get into that, but of course, we do have federal judges in Utah and in Oklahoma. Right. We have the uh, case that went last summer to the U.S. Supreme right. Court. And now, just uh, as we tape this, uh, we, news breaks out of Virginia that the attorney general there has decided that effectively his office will switch sides and now side with plaintiffs fighting that state's uh, ban on. So maybe the voters aren't the last word. Well, the Supreme Court in June in the Windsor case said that states should decide uh, marriage law, specifically family law in general. They said the feds had overstepped their boundaries with the Defense of Marriage Act. I believe in that statute, thought it was good public policy, but the Supreme Court said they overstepped their bounds. The states have to do it. A federal judge in Utah a few weeks ago tried to um, end the debate there and say same-sex marriage would be allowed, and Justice Sotomayor, who, wrote, who was with the majority in the Windsor case in June for the U.S. Supreme Court, said no. It's pretty rare for the Supreme Court to stay a trial court uh, decision. So I think the court meant it in June when they said states should define marriage. One reason I wanted to start with you, uh, aside from the fact that it, you can spell out the uh, advocacy, the case for the amendment, uh -huh. is that you're clearly outnumbered yeah. uh, here today. And I should point out to those watching and listening that that is not our intention. We, in fact, had invited uh, Republican leaders uh, and those who had backed the bill and put uh -huh. their signature on the bill as sponsors and authors to join us, and they declined. 
want to explain why that might, why they're shy about appearing? I don't think they're shy. I mean, they were in session, or the committee that took up the measure was meeting well past 8 o'clock last night in the State House. So there's just a Maybe a generous excuse. I think they declined. They must have anticipated their fatigue because I think they declined maybe several days ago. They could read the calendar. But at any rate, there are many people that are passionate about this issue and can make the case. So I'm happy to be here today. Of course, you represent, Kurt, the Indiana Family Institute. Other organizations have sided in advocating this measure. Indiana Catholic Conference, Family Association, American Family Association of Indiana. You know, you're a Catholic. In fact, I don't think I'm spilling the beans when I say you were studying to be a priest before my Indiana Week in Review colleague, Ann Delaney, came and swept you off your feet. That's exactly right. So how do you reconcile what I presume are your personal beliefs with your outspoken opposition? I kidded myself the other day. I said one more Roman collar comes in front of this committee, and I'm going to have to change my opinion. Fortunately, they stopped just in time. Look, there's a fundamental distinction here. I have my views on marriage in the religious context, and they're very traditional. But we're talking about the law here and the civil law and how we affect citizens in their financial and personal responsibilities and in terms of taking care of children, especially in the event of divorce and so forth. So it's a very closely related topic, but it's a different topic. The state of Indiana does not bless marriages. It legalizes marriages. By way of contrast, the churches are allowed to perform marriages, but they don't perform divorces. It tells you a lot. This is fundamentally a legal issue, and whether people are allowed to make agreements between themselves as to their assets, as to any children, as to how they split up or don't split up, what happens when somebody dies. And I think that's a different topic than the religious form of marriage. And so I don't have a problem voting against this amendment. I think the amendment is designed not simply to control the courts, which really you can't do. The Indiana legislature cannot control the federal courts. It's designed to control the legislature so that in the future we couldn't change the law. And I think that's unfortunate. I think we need to respond to this changing opinion, which we hear from our children and grandchildren. You know, I'm not here for the people of my generation. I'm here for the people of the next two or three generations. So I don't have a problem uh, with this. I've given a lot of thought. And this has changed faster than any social issue I have experienced in my life. And I guess I'm part of the change. Oh, how about, and Pete, I'm going to pull you in. Don't worry. I, I just want to get a bit of a response to uh-huh. one point that Representative Delaney made about uh, the autonomy, if you will, uh, you didn't use that word, of, of the church uh, in a broad sense. Several denominations, and we've seen them represented mm-hmm. at various events sure. at the State House and in petitions and letters, have said, we recognize same-sex marriage. We'll perform uh, mm-hmm. those marriages under the auspices of our religious uh, affiliations. Right. Usually churches don't want government intrusion in telling them what to do. Isn't this telling them what to do if, in fact, your amendment is enacted? I don't think this speaks to churches. They retain all their First Amendment rights to, to freedom of expression. And, in fact, I would argue that uh, preserving traditional marriage as we've understood it for years in Indiana and millennia uh, outside of uh, Indiana will actually preserve, help protect religious liberty. There are cases around the country where um, I think of New Jersey, where the United Methodist uh, State Association owned a beautiful park and looked out over the ocean. It was a popular place for people to solemnize their their marriages. And a gay couple asked to go there and and reserve it as as other couples have. And the church said, we're uncomfortable with that. 
and we like to preserve our religious distinctives. And, and they were found to be in violation of New Jersey's uh, civil rights uh, uh, scheme and regulation. I don't think it was a statute. I think it was a, an ordinance in a community. So I think the church will uh, benefit from uh, recognizing this. But there's a difference between what the church does and what the state does, as Representative Ladies wisely pointed out. And the marriage that we're talking about, we are arguing this, the values to society of traditional marriage for the next generation kids. Peter Rusthoven, you're familiar with undoubtedly all of the, uh, these cases that have been cited around the country as you've uh, prepared your arguments, uh, not necessarily for a legal case at this point, but for the presentation you gave to the two committees that have, uh, have weighed in on this, uh, this issue thus far. What's a nice uh, former Ronald Reagan staffer uh, like you doing uh, on this side of the issue? Are you? What would Ronald Reagan say? Would he say, "Well, this is where, what happened to you"? Or is, is he, this he would, say, he would say something like that. I think your imitations of others are better than your Reagan. You'll have to work on that. Um, I actually have a problem with this particular amendment, um, and I, I need to set this up. I firmly believe that the people should decide through their elected representatives what relationships we will and will not recognize and what legal consequences will and will not flow from that. Historically, that has always been the case, always. Now, why do I want the people to decide that? I think when the courts decide it, in particular, we're talking federal courts here. Let me give an example. If you decide this, as courts have done on the basis of any private individual choice is equal to any other individual choice. Uh, and if you <coughs> acknowledge one, you have to acknowledge the other or you're discriminating. Okay, let's, talk, let's look at polygamy. I think polygamy is much, much different from traditional marriage. I think polygamy is much, much different from domestic partnerships or civil unions or gay marriage or whatever you want. We make these distinctions. But if you put it on the basis of any individual choice, the state can't do anything. Pretty hard to see how you say polygamy is not a valid choice or a bunch of other living arrangements that one could go through. I don't want the courts deciding this. I think this is the common sense of the people. What is my problem with this particular amendment? It is the second sentence of it, which says <coughs> that basically you can't acknowledge anything that is the same or substantially similar to uh, legal status recognized, all these words in here, you have effectively turned it over to the courts, in my view, what our legislature in the future will and will not be allowed to do. I think Representative Delaney is exactly right. There's been an enormous shift in attitudes on this. I believe traditional marriage is in a special place in Western civilization, in all civilization, and I think it can be treated in a different way and should be. But at the same time, I want the flexibility of the legislature to recognize, as views of the people change, what we do and don't do with other kinds of, of relationships. And I think the second sentence uh, is, is, is an invitation to, one, the courts decide it, and fights going on forever. Wisconsin has this identical amendment, and it has been embroiled in litigation for four or five years. It's now in front of the state Supreme Court about whether this prohibits the legislature from recognizing what are called domestic partnerships. So uh, I don't have a problem with the statute that's on our books right now, but I, I don't like this second sentence of that amendment. Well, you raise this whole notion of judicial review, uh, and as part of that, trying to read the tea leaves and determine legislative intent. Backers of this would say, well, that's why 
we authored this year and introduced House Bill 1153 that says that mm -hmm. we're not concerned about you know, domestic partner benefits right. and so forth. Two questions, just, are you alarmed that they had outlined an intent that might in fact be uh, less stringent than what some in your no. organization might, and does that, do you think that that's, uh, is that really what you want? You're okay with civil unions? You're okay with uh, I'm not okay with civil unions, but I think the reason House Bill 1153 was put together was there were all these questions raised over the decade. We've been discussing this in Indiana and elsewhere, and I think those who are concerned about it should take yes for an answer. All of their concerns are detailed in some, with some specificity. I think there's six or seven um, statements of legislative intent that would help a future court if this is litigated, which is likely, however this comes out, to to know the mindset of the legislature when they propose this to the electorate. Of course, that was not voted on that additional Correct. Uh, in, in explanation 2011. By, in 2011, right. and you've had, what, 17 House departures and three Senate departures among people who had mm -hmm. voted for the bill. So I'll I guess take that your, opens... Take your word on the numbers there. I know right. there's only 49 serving today who, who voted for it uh, in the House. Well, now, I mentioned the Judiciary Committee had heard three-plus hours of testimony uh, on back on January 13th. You sat through it. You're a member of that committee. No vote taken, a lot of questions about some uh, defections uh, in the Republican ranks, and then Brian Bosma moved the, uh, the, the bill to another committee where, of course, it was uh, approved and sent to the floor. You said that was a bad, bad move. Why? Explain that. <clears throat> this is a very sensitive subject, amending the Constitution in any context. When you're talking about marriage, it's even more sensitive. So I think it's very important that the public have confidence in this function in the system. Playing a game or a trick or a tactic to pull a bill away from a committee without letting it to vote after hearing cannot build public confidence, nor can it lead to a conviction that this is a widely supported idea. Okay, I don't think you should amend the Constitution by 51 to 49 or anything close to that, especially when it comes to people's rights or responsibilities. So this is just one more problem for the proponents of the amendment. What about those who say, though, so what if it passes 51-49? It's going to the voters, and they would say where it should be, and they'll decide. I don't think that the legislature is doing its job if it takes a highly controversial issue and crams it onto the ballot. Our job is to advise the public, to give it a lot of deliberation, and to say what we think is really positively supported by the legislature and broadly supported, and that's not going to happen here. So I think this thing should be derailed, but uh, it's on a different set of tracks, I guess. Presumably it will get the vote next week in the House, will be approved, uh, go to the Senate, presumably approved there. Chances are what for passage and ratification by Hoosier voters? Uh, I think they're good. We did a poll. We spent a little extra time and money trying to get at the 2014 electorate, that's called the likely voter screen, and it was 62% favorite. Uh, I imagine the campaign that would ensue once it's approved and prepared for the voters. I assume the other side will be successful in, in moving the numbers somewhat their way, so I would guess we're going to be in the mid-50s in terms of support from Hoosiers. And just but I and believe it'll be affirmed by the voters of and Indiana. And just uh, to, to cover all the bases here, there are other polls, of course, that suggest right. that there is a majority of right. Hoosiers against Ty it. Typically a registered Wish voter TV screen, and, yeah. And Ball State a little different University. methodology. So if this gets, let's, let's say for sake of discussion, this goes to voters, uh, and, it's, and it's passed. Peter, you mentioned in committee that this would be the sort of the full employment act for attorneys. <laughs> uh, I mean, is it, 
is it just going to be the crazy season in terms of litigation? Well, I think there'll be, if it's passed, there will be challenges to it from people who oppose the amendment. Some of those will be based on federal law, and that really won't be affected one way or another by what anything Indiana does. And that challenge is going to be based probably on the kind of theory I outlined before, which is everybody gets private choice, the state has no business in it. Whether that gets ultimately accepted by the Supreme Court of the United States probably rests in the mind of Anthony Kennedy. It's an interesting situation where you have one justice who's definitely going to decide what the law is for the land. That seems to be a common scenario. You will have, particularly if the legislature then does something else to recognize domestic partnerships or rights, then someone will challenge it claiming that it violates the amendment. That's what happened in Wisconsin. And not to get too much into the legal weeds, you alluded to this when saying some of the people in the legislature had left. It is somewhat unusual, to put it mildly, for a legislature to pass something saying this is what our intent is. And it's at best very unclear the extent to which that would be credited, much less regarded as controlling by our Supreme Court. And one issue that concerns me even about that, and I'm not going to quote the Latin here, but there's this notion. Sorry, it's public television. We have an educated audience. All right, all right. And lawyers are actually familiar with it. Expressio unius est exclusio alterius. If you express one thing, it excludes the other. This usually comes up in contract situations, sometimes in statutes. But someone will make the argument, if this bill is credited, that, okay, it lists the things the legislature can do. Anything that's not listed is excluded from the legislative authority, and that, too, constricts the ability of the people to react to how they want to deal with this complicated situation. We're down, I can't believe, to our last minute, so we've got to close. But say this is, we'll play the argument game again. Say this is ratified and it becomes part of the Constitution. What are the chances that in 20 years, a generation or two, that Indiana still will have a prohibition like this? Because several of you mentioned the dramatic shift in public opinion, and younger people seem to say, why is this even a big deal? I think the new generation will discover, as every generation before it has, that traditional marriage is a good thing. It's the best way to raise children. Do we want to limit or license adult relationships? No. But when a man and a woman are prepared to commit themselves, government, the law, can bind them together to raise the next generation. Young people are going to discover that, just as every generation that's come before them has. So this is not a societal shift as much as just a generational cycle? That when you get older, you get married, you understand, you appreciate it? I don't know that it's just each generation, each society, atheistic, monotheistic, polytheistic, has come to the same conclusion. Marriage is good and should be supported. Anything stop this from getting out of the House and the Senate? The Speaker has made it clear this is his number one agenda item, and he will cram it through the House. I think the cramming is largely over. It's now on a roll. So it'll happen. Peter, start drafting those lawsuits. I'm not sure which side I'll be on. Hang out the shingle. You've got the Latin down, whichever side. You impressed me with that Latin. The former priest here understood it, if no one else did. I was never a priest. Be careful. Would be. Gentlemen, thank you. I appreciate a very civil discussion on a very contentious topic. A good discussion, one that I'm sure will continue in the coming days. Again, my guests have been Democratic Representative Ed Delaney of Indianapolis, Kurt Smith of the Indiana Family Institute, and Indianapolis Attorney Peter Russo. Thank you.